and welcome to the In the Booth podcast. I'm your host, Alan Etzler. I'm joined today by Emma Kerr. Emma, how are you doing? I'm great. How are you? I'm doing all right. We have a very special guest today, Board of Education candidate, Camden Rayner. Camden, how are you doing? Thanks for joining us. I'm very well. Thank you, Alan. So let's just jump right into it. You're you're uh, first time running for public office. Yeah. First time you're of age to run for public <laughs> office. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Um, so just tell us a little bit about how the, the campaign is going, how, how you've kind of found your first foray into politics, I guess, and, and what some of those issues that you've been campaigning are. Sure. Well, I'll just start for a little information about me. For I'm a fourth generation Middletown graduate. I had English in the same room my mom and grandma did at a Middletown Middle, so deep roots here in Frederick County. Yeah, I believe if I did my math correctly, I'm the youngest candidate on any ballot in Frederick County this November. I'm the only candidate born after the end of the Cold War, <laughs> to my knowledge. <laughs> so it's very exciting. I found that I do have to work harder to be taken seriously, for sure. But it's been, honestly, people in Frederick County are so opening and welcoming to me. I've had very few people tell me they're not going to vote me due to my age. They won't vote me for other reasons. Like, don't get me wrong. But <laughs> but the age usually isn't a factor, you know, and that's wonderful to see. I've had, um, well, you know, campaigning makes you go to places you wouldn't otherwise. You know, I've seen so much of the county I would never, frankly, have a reason to go to unless I was running. I've seen every little town in our county. It's been a really wonderful experience so far. I've had the pleasure of running with some great people. We have wonderful candidates on the on the ballot this year. And we have some big issues facing Frederick County Public Schools for sure. Goodness, how do you want me to go, Alan? I mean, we can talk about teacher pay or school well, construction. I mean, what, are, what are the top <laughs> three issues you would say you're running on? It's cool. I brought four, so it works out very great. well. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I would say a staff compensation. And I say staff because it's not just about teachers. It's about our employees. Equitable uh, school construction across the county. Hmm. And promoting STEAM education, not just STEM, but also including the arts and public education as well. Those are my three big issues. And what are you hoping to see done in, in those terms? Specifically? Yeah, sure. I'd like to see us, cont- I always say this as a perspective of a college student myself as a perspective. Uh, I think it's unrealistic to think a student in forty, fifty thousand dollars $50,000 in student debt is going to choose to work for a school system that doesn't pay them as much money you can drive down the road to Montgomery County. 270 is not fun. I get that. But <laughs> I do in that case, you know. So I want to see uh, teacher and staff salaries certainly increase the continued implementation of the salary, uh, the new salary scale. Uh, STEAM education, for me, it's creating a school culture where we celebrate the passions of every student. You know, I'm not a big STEM person, to be frank with you, but uh, I want to support the next artist or historian or poet or Nobel laureate just as much as the next mathematician. Uh, Having a math degree doesn't mean anything if you can't write a proper sentence, you know, (laughs) so it's absolutely critical we support that. And finally, school construction is kind of like my baby. I love that (laughs) issue Um, because I'm quite passionate about it. You know, we have um, an issue in Frederick County of so much growth in one sorry, <laughs> in one quarter of the county. Uh, and it's hard to keep up with continuing. Every s- student deserves a seat. I'm not going to dispute that. We have ser- really old schools as well. And we have schools in um, the northern half of the county that have been updated 40, 50 years. And finding that balance for me and being an advocate for school construction funding is quite important to me. No, I mean, that's interesting. You bring it up. Um, enrollment numbers just mm-hmm. came out yeah. for uh, September 30th. Um, and we did see some, you know, enrollment spikes. We saw more schools being over capacity. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. and, and we got some issues. Yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> growth is definitely an issue. Um, I mean, what do you see when you're going to be, you know, uh, looking at redistricting, mm-hmm. looking at Sugarloaf? What kind of um, approach do you have when you're looking at redistricting and, and school construction? I, I want to be very realistic to people of Frederick County. I don't support countywide redistricting because I'm still, con- I have people disagreement is I'm not convinced you could get rid of every single line in Frederick County and we'd still have problems. We have schools, I mean, I, I live up there, <laughs> Sibyllisville, Wolfsville, Myersville, who are all under capacity and we just can't, 
it'd be it'd be incredibly disruptive to shift thousands of kids up into these schools. I just don't think it's I don't think it's right to move kids out of where they live and their communities. I don't think it's practical, to be frank with you, just bus costs alone. It'd be it'd be just a mess. I, I would be open to some feeder pattern redistricting. Um and no matter what to be frank, I think Jay Mason, my um what guy I'm running with, said it best, you know, the school capacity just does not exist where it needs to. And I'm not gonna bus kids from Urbana to Sibillasville <laughs> to make it work in that sense. So yeah, that's kind of my philosophy if that answers your question. It's, so you'd uh, look more to promote construction of those over in those overcapacity schools. Yeah, I mean I I will say I'm in fan I'm a fan of I should re regional redistricting mm-hmm. could work and the south the southeastern portion of the county is a hot mess and people know it in terms of the enrollment numbers but again i'm not convinced we need county-wide change okay. in that case yeah again but you're right it's for me i'm kind of in a catch-22 with myself because i want to see rural schools being redone mm-hmm. but i understand we need a seat for every kid and that's certainly a priority and the cat executives assured us of that as well so you'd focus on um redistricting and kind of balancing out things in certain regions but yeah. then you'd also like to see some attention to those older schools that maybe we don't talk about well, as much when you look at the um oh, for, for, oh, the facilities master plan mm-hmm. we keep the we have schools like um places like valley or emmitsburg that are on the list but we keep having to add in new schools as we keep getting more kids and that's on people frederick county is a wonderful place to live i want people to want to move here but it's a constant challenge to find out how to balance that in frederick county mm-hmm. yeah and how do you feel like you do balance it. I mean, that's <laughs> it all. Yeah, I mean, that's a great question. I get that a lot. It comes down to money, to be frank with you. And again, I think it's important people to remember. I can't get anything done without four votes, and we do not have taxation authority. <laughs> so we are we are beggars in that case. <laughs> and for me, I, I'd like to go to the county council and particularly the state government, when is involved with school construction, make it abundantly clear that I think this is a moral issue. I think having a kid in a portable is unacceptable. I think having a kid in a school that was built in goodness the bill is, <laughs> was built in like 1960 something yeah. is unacceptable at the same time you know for sure um and, and so we'll move a little bit um into school safety which is kind of another oh, sure. part that's, yeah. that's going into school mm-hmm. construction and, and we know how much work the fcps has put into putting in the security vestibule yeah. vestibules mm-hmm. and things like that do you feel like fcps has gone far enough to make sure that their schools are safe and if not what would you hope to do to improve it well, I would commend the board. I was actually in the school today, and I had the first time I ever had this happen where I had to put my little license into the new machine. I thought that was a wonderful. <laughs> uh, I think it's a great, not only cosmetic, but a substantial change as well. I think it really helps. I, both my parents teach in portables, to give you an example. They're both teachers here in Frederick County. And uh, given the state of where we are as a country and gun violence and school safety, it, it is concerning for me to see my parents go to work every day in that case and think of what would you do? You know, I don't. Your first concern shouldn't be what you're going to do in the lockdown situation as a teacher. Uh, the vestibules are a great idea. And for me, is why not everybody says this, but the school resource officer program is a wonderful asset to Frederick County. And I commend the sheriff's department and FCPS for the work they've done on that. I think we're moving in the right direction. But again, you know, I think there are practical implications and limitations that we need to accept as a county. Uh, Karen Yoho says it best. You, know, you have a, a better chance of being you know, hurt on your way to school than actually in a school. It's incredibly rare. Of course, when it happens, it's catastrophic, and I won't dispute that. But there's always going to be a level of risk in our school. I'm I'm fine with where we are now. We can always, yeah, if that makes sense. <laughs> it's, so so would you support more officers in schools? Or I, I would love to have a school resource officer in every high school as well as every middle school. I think that'd be great to move. Currently, there's one per feeder pattern, I believe. And again, expanding that, getting um, some of our older schools, it's a problem building the vestibule because of the way the architecture worked. Again, back in the 60s and 70s, comes back to, it's all circular, all these issues. But... <laughs> Uh, school resource officers and uh, building the vestibules and again um creating a culture of a community-based protection about this it isn't just 
it's our job to keep students safe, but a lot of this starts at home as well. And it's a community effort to fight this issue, for sure. And on social media. <laughs> social media. I think uh, uh, social media is a hot mess with this kind of issue all the time. And I, I wish I could emphasize to our students enough the danger. I will say just as a brief note about this. Well, I'm the only candidate who grew up with lockdown drills. So for me, this is in a very strange way. I'm so much more used to this. I think a lot of adults are. To me, this is just a, a fact of your life. You have a lockdown drill every year, and it's just the way it goes. So for me, it's about minimizing the risk. I'm not convinced we can ever completely fix the problem that isn't that that isn't a county that's a nationwide issue not a frederick county issue Mm. in that case um another thing you brought up was uh teacher pay um well staff pay yeah staff compensation another conversation (laughs) that we've been having a lot um that the board members have been having a lot and i have been sitting in for (laughs) um has been about how to attract more diverse teachers to Mm -hmm. this county is that a priority for you i'll give you a a summary of the answer i gave the NAACP's wonderful and asking us for these answers as well i think our teachers of um racial and ethnic minorities, we want our teachers and our schools to reflect the communities they serve. And I think that's a definite priority. But I will say, I think uh, minority teachers are looking for the same things all teachers are. We face a nationwide teaching shortage, not just Frederick County. The uh, I think offering an excellent retirement plan, pension system, and great compensation. And compensation means your salary also means your health care. We have excellent health care in Frederick County Public Schools. And we need a total package for minority teachers. I think as well, and the problem is too, we have a, we're not going to get more teachers of any type. It's kind of already baked in. Current college students are four years next worth of teachers. So it would take, I mean, goodness, 10, 15 years to find real effects in the teaching pool, as we say, in, uh, in Frederick County Public Schools. I'd love to also encourage our students, our homegrown teachers as well, you know, to see uh, more students want to become teachers. I will graduate in the class of 270 students. I think we had three or four teachers. It's it's not a career people want to go into. And to be frank with you, I don't blame them because <laughs> it's hard work. And um, frequently you're alone in the classroom with uh, 30, 35 kids trying to trying to teach them something they don't really want to be there all the time. So it, it's a tough profession. Hiring minority teachers is a big priority of mine. But again, I think it comes back to uh, compensation in that case. Would you support um, additional recruitment efforts, trying to recruit um, minority candidates? Yeah, I, mean, I don't have any issue with that. No, absolutely. We go to historic black colleges. We, may, But again, I think career fairs nowadays are harder and harder. People, you know, we're similar ages. We're on online and LinkedIn. That kind of, it's, it's difficult, I think, to... I don't think a kid's going to show up and be like, oh my gosh, that's CPS, and just like, kind of walk in and become a teacher there, if that makes sense. So being active online. But yeah, we have to make every effort we can. But again, I think we're, we're fighting an uphill battle here with just the sheer number of teachers that we just don't have coming into the system. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You you mentioned the, the homegrown aspect of yeah. it, growing your mm-hmm. own teachers. How important do you think that is to combat the, the teacher shortage? I mean, I would think logically there might be an added uh, pool to get somebody to come back to the school system they grew up in. I don't. I don't know if you share the same thought process or, or, or why you think that might be so important. Well, I'll start by saying both my parents, homegrown teachers, they both grew up here and they became teachers here. I, I will say again, I think of my own experience. I was um, when I went into high school, I was planning on becoming a teacher, but to be frank, between the recession and I think the lack of respect teachers get on in the community, I just didn't want to put myself through four years of college and debt to get out and become a teacher. When it's not an easy job, and I think people sometimes act as if it's babysitting. It's not babysitting. It's they are professional people, and they need to be paid accordingly. I I like the idea of homegrown teaching. I think it's a wonderful idea to think you go to the school in the same school and then you teach there. My mom did that. I think it's it's wonderful, and it's challenging. But I think it's, it comes down to I'm I'm a bit too cynical for my taste when people I want to talk to. But it is worth it to go back to your community and see the change you can make in people's lives and their careers. Yeah, here in Frederick County. 
Yeah, and what about um, I mean, getting teachers what they need, or or even staff what they what they need? What what kind of other factors are there besides just pay? Do you think yeah. about anything mm-hmm. like that? No, I I don't want to come off as if I sound like uh, it is for me. It, the central issue is compensation, but there are other things. The school mm-hmm. culture, for instance. Yeah. I think a little times. I know we had a big countywide effort in the past ten years so to reduce paper use as part of the recession. And I, I like that idea, but I'm also like, I don't think that's the number one issue face. I, <laughs> you know, I, I certainly hope our teachers are responsible. But again, I think those little mm-hmm. things to kind of eat on them after a while, you know, and we have a very testing centered education system at the moment. I think teachers get burned out. I and mean, what is it? 50% teachers don't make it five years. You know, it's, it's certainly a challenge. I I hear from teachers a lot that they're frustrated when their kids don't show up to school with pencils and that kind of thing. And they're forced to. And I'd say that as a board member, I'd want to listen to our staff members. I listen to them now. And I think they just want their basic needs met. I think we're still operating a school system that really hasn't, that's getting closed, but hasn't fully dug out from the recession. You know, we're, we're at the point where I imagine the next board and the year one, and the one assuming we don't have a recession, you know, fingers crossed, will be able to start expanding the budget again and get put things back. I mean, for instance, I remember writing emails to Brad Young when I was in sixth grade, begging him not to cut outdoor school, for instance. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so kind of building the school system back up from where we started, for instance. I mean, I grew up in a school system that, to be frank with you, I, I consider to be on a budget. You know, I don't want students to go through that again. Mm-hmm. So yeah. did Brad Young cut outdoor school? Oh, no, he did. <laughs> Actually, I want to issue quick. It was in 2000. It may have been before he was elected. It was in 2010. Okay. Yeah. All right. Hmm. They didn't, though. We emailed. <laughs> <laughs> we were very aggressive. Emails matter. They do matter, yeah. Uh, so where do, you, where do you feel like, I, w- I want to jump into a conversation about links and innovation mm-hmm. and things yeah. like that. Where do you fall on, because you are the, the youngest person, you probably have the most experience with, with tech in the, in the field. Where do you fall <laughs> on, on technology in the classroom? It's interesting when you talk to young people because some people kind of assume we're all in about it. I'm not. I really find it, technology to me is fundamentally a supplementary resource in the classroom. I don't want kids spending their entire school day on Chromebooks. That being said, I think they're a wonderful asset. I wish I could have had one-to-one Chromebooks when I was in um, middle school, high school (laughs) by that point. Um, I think it's part of it is accepting the culture we live in that kids, some kids are quite comfortable online and being uh, using a Chromebook for their schoolwork. But again, you can't beat face-to-face, person-to-person, teacher over your shoulder helping you learn something, interaction in that case. It's a it's a big funding commitment. I don't oppose that. But I, we, Lynx, for example, I think Lynx is a great idea, honestly. Uh, having students take more control of their individual education in a world where uh, increasingly the 35-year pension, one career is no longer, I mean, definitely the exception, not the rule anymore in that case. Yeah. I mean, you kind of said at the beginning your interest in uh, STEAM as well as yeah. STEM. Mm-hmm. Um, and Lynx talks a lot about, you know, how to plan a career and mm-hmm. yeah. providing, providing mentors, providing resources, internship or even just field trip opportunities. Um, do you see that as fitting with your your kind of emphasis on STEAM as well? Yes, I for me, my, my thing, my, my beef about STEM is not, yeah. I want to make clear, I don't dislike STEM, and I've made it quite clear STEM has wonderful um, benefits and implications for some students. But I think we have, uh, during the research, I think we have so many people who are so worried about finding a career and getting a decent paying job, we instantly think become an engineer. I'll speak in personal experience from my friends at college. Being an engineer, you can be good at math and not be a good engineer. <laughs> it takes a lot of skill. And I think we're pushing kids unnecessarily, I say we, not FCPS specifically, as a mm-hmm. country, into careers they may not always really want to do, but feel they have to, because we've constantly, you know, shoving STEM down their throat. 
oh, I'm the son of a music teacher. You know, so for me, the the arts, and not just, and I say STEAM, what I really mean is arts, the humanities, yeah. the social science, I'm a history major, stems on a big part of my life. You know, mm-hmm. so finding a, a way to celebrate every kid's academic and passion. And again, I think it comes back to uh, sports as well, for instance. My sport was academic team. <laughs> I, I did that for years with a competitive trivia. I want to make sure every kid has something they can feel proud of and not feel bad they're going to art school or my brother's a musical theater major you know going off to do what you really are passionate about in that case right and you mentioned the kind of pressure almost students feel nationally Mm -hmm. um to focus on career do you feel like there's too much of an emphasis on career in fcps because it's really something that you know schools are increasingly talking to students about do you mean a college and career or just career college and career (laughs) well i want to get that because before i answer just to focus on what happens after high school that's i feel like i wasn't even thinking about that necessarily at ages that now at fcps they really want you to think about what you want and plan early and things like that i think a lot of people who are critical of the college and career thing also grew up in a time when they could just show up out of high school and get a job somewhere (laughs) it doesn't work like that anymore no i think we do an excellent emphasis on that Mm -hmm. i can remember filling out my career form in sixth grade you know teacher psychologist whatever you want to call it i yeah i think we do an okay job with i think we need to be preparing students for what it's going to be like out there and again i think uh i don't expect every kid to go to college there are kids in college who shouldn't be there i don't think there are that many who aren't that should though in that case and i think we have a wonderful thing in the korean technology center promoting kids to go into i mean goodness i wanted to make money i go into hvac you know really we have <laughs> we have some i mean good i don't no idea how to like do i don't understand how like the internet works or anything. I, <laughs> like how much i pay people to be a plumber and electrician is wonderful and that's why i think it's great to see students like back to links taking control of your own education mm-hmm. and saying i want an individualized outlook the one size fits all worked for a while but we're well past that now mm-hmm. in public education so you know links everybody it seems like that we talk to loves links <laughs> right and yeah you know Sure, they can, but it's all at one school. Yeah, that's been my beef with it, yeah. So <laughs> so how do you feel like, what aspects of links could we take to other schools? What shouldn't we, what do you feel like hasn't worked maybe? There might be some things that you feel like haven't worked, I don't know. Has anything not worked? What do you feel like we can take to other schools? And what do you feel like you'll have to advocate for budgetarily to to get to other schools? I, I, I understand the most of the components of links. I'm not... I don't have a serious problem with any of it, to be frank. My biggest problem is that it's not at every school or an equivalent program of that type. It is a funding issue, and I think there are ways of incorporating links-like aspects in the other high schools without having a links program necessarily. I mean, I've, a big thing of mine has been, and talking to voters, and um, increasing the number of electives at schools students can take more. I mean, we have schools, uh, Walkersville or Catoctin, for instance. Like you want a French 4 or AP US at Catoctin, not AP, AP Euro or something good luck <laughs> there just aren't enough kids to run those kind of things and having sure we have the flexible budget and the staffing we can give them to make sure they have the uh, the staffing to help kids take what they want to take to be frank and those both classes for instance aren't stem classes if you want to pursue a foreign language or history or science in that case you go for it again i, I actually quite I, I like links i think it's probably looking into like a uh, time machine in 20 or 30 years in public education I think there are ways we can we can slowly start implementing those kind of ideas into public education around the county. Something I've always thought would be really cool that I don't think we just don't have the money for would be to offer classes at different times, you know, for for students or uh, continuing education courses in the evenings at high school. I think we have a lot of time that our buildings or public utilities, schools are, are underused in that, in that kind of sense, if that makes sense. 
Yeah, so that that would be similar to what Lynx does with the yeah. flexible scheduling mm-hmm. and and the dinner and things like that. But there are also some budgetary components yeah. to that as mm-hmm. well. In terms Keeping of schools open, that kind right. of thing. Yeah. yeah, I've always wanted to bring back like the late bus. I think that'd be really cool for each feeder pattern because I've heard stories. And the late bus. Yeah, kind of like you have like one bus that like. If you stay after school for a club, you kind of take you all home and stuff, you know. I never well, knew we I, had that. Busing has been such a topic, honestly, sure, because yeah. everything, mm-hmm. when you're talking about, um, like, you're talking about wanting to take AP Euro, you could potentially bus someone to another school that offers AP Euro. And when you're talking about, you know, the construction concerns yeah. and redistricting, you could bus someone up to a lower capacity school. I mean, what do you think about kind of... Um, and, and the other thing that's come up too is um, school start times and potentially <laughs> yeah. starting school a little later. Um, I mean, what do you think about uh, all of that kind of? Uh, I've I I'll be frank with people listening and voters from I am not exactly sure where I stand on the school start time. Mm-hmm. I I initially I lean towards against it because I think it'd just be so disruptive to the county. Some people seem to add as if it wouldn't work. It can work. Washington County does it. I mean, there are other counties who implement this kind of system. The more I think about it, I think, yeah, that might be a good idea. I think we had a time when um, middle and high school were shared a bus and that the, the, they started at the same time. That could work. When we talk about busing and equity resources around the county, like, I'd love to have another magnet program like in somewhere in like the western half of the county. We have quite a few parents who their children are offered a spot who just won't do it because they don't want to send their kid on the bus. If you're in Sibylla's, for instance, you send your kid on the bus from the school to Catoctin High, and then they get on another bus from Catoctin High to Frederick City. And I don't blame parents for not wanting to do that with their children. It's Mm -hmm. a challenge finding the resources and the funds to make sure every kid in Frederick County has the same, not results, but equality of opportunity Mm -hmm. within FCPS. Now that's a struggle. As to the start time, I'm eagerly awaiting... (laughs) the what the board actually i could be on the board when we decide what to do with that i know the committees yeah. the committees recommended <laughs> that we yeah it's kind of crazy it's a month left <laughs> the you better uh, make up your mind i know exactly <laughs> i get i at this point i'd say i'd lean towards delaying high school start time i'm less sure what to do with elementary because that that would get complicated but i think they yeah more sleep would be a good thing i don't think people would necessarily stay up later and then get up later i think people go to bed when they go to bed and they get up when they get up <laughs> especially teenagers in that case they'll be up to 1 a.m anyway so when i give them an extra hour mm-hmm. you know we you've talked about um college and career readiness and especially yeah. in career readiness and we have the ctc the career and technology center which has a lot of great programs yeah do you worry that some of those programs have been taken out of high schools and maybe kids who don't get the opportunity to travel to ctc don't get to take those classes and is that something that you would support kind of so for instance uh like shop or something yeah like brunswick brunswick is the only auto shop class in in the county do you, do you feel like that is a missed opportunity through other schools in the county or do you feel like that's okay the way it is uh, i would say it's okay the way it is if we have the capacity at ctc to have every kid that wanted to go i mean really in the ideal world you'd have a seat for every kid and every kid get a free transportation to the CTC, which most do. I mean, I, I think of those who get into CTC have a seat, we find a way to transport them in that case. Yeah, I think it's it's a shame, really. I'd love to see more. Again, that kind of goes back to my elective expansion. I want to see more course offerings at every school. I think it'd be wonderful. Middletown has the, um, oh, they have a shop or something. I, I was never down there. But, <laughs> but um, yeah, we schools have different cultures and different communities and they value different things in that case i think brunswick's a great example of almost like regional flair in school and i think that's great to come down there brunswick's a really cool school anyway but uh yeah i'd support that for sure i'd like to see but really big thing in that is to support getting as many seats as we can in ctc and the funding for that and that'd be a huge funding i think every candidate says that a huge funding priority for the Mm -hmm. next board yeah 
I'm curious to hear um, what you hope the board will look like. Um, are you kind of, when you look at those eight candidates you've got left, are you hoping um, to be alongside people with more experience? Or are you excited to get some fresh uh, faces, fresh perspective? Yeah, well, I'm currently um, running with Brad Young, Jay Mason, and Karen Yo. I think the four of us bring a really excellent balance to the board. Uh Gender-wise, um, Jay Mason will be our first African American Board of Education member. Goodness, I think since Earl Robbins. So throwback. It's it's been quite a while. Daryl Boffman. Daryl Boffman. Forgive me. Then yep. sorry, Daryl. Yeah, it, uh, it was before it was an elected board, though. Oh, first in the elected history of the board. Well, I haven't elected that long, really. All things considered. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I love to see. I'm running. I love to see myself on the board. <laughs> <laughs> I think I give a a great perspective on a variety of issues and some. But I also think. I mean, I'm qualified to be in the board. I think people don't run. They assume they can't. To every young person under four, I mean, under I say young under forty listening, <laughs> you yeah. have the right to change your community and what you do. And again, real quick, and Brad Young, Brad is an exceptional man who's led our school system for some really tough budget years, and I sincerely hope he gets a third term. I'd be shocked if he didn't. I'm quite confident he'll be on the board with us. And um, it's certainly an it's going to be a fascinating race, that's for sure. We only have a month left, and things are certainly heating up, so it's exciting. <laughs> when you started out with this, did you envision yourself running? your own campaign by yourself? Did you envision yourself getting the Apple Apple ballot? I used quotation marks, endorsements. <laughs> um, did you envision yourself running as a slate type thing? It, I always started out, to be frank, I, I was like, I just got to get through the primary. <laughs> I, I, I remember thinking I was the third candidate to file in February, and I was like, oh, great. Like, there's like a couple of weeks left. Like, really, well, I'm not even going to have primary. They had like 13 people, and I'm like, oh, my gosh, like, there's a lot of us. Uh, I was shocked to get the Apple ballot teacher um, FCTA face Vicasa endorsement. Why? But I, why? Yeah. I, I honestly thought my age would be a serious impediment. However, I mean, they told me in private, they said I, I gave excellent answers and I, I'm passionate about public education. I believe I believe in what I say and I plan on doing what I say as well. But that was certainly a help to me. I didn't envision I'd have a slate before the primary. That was certainly not going to happen. But after the primary, and I find I've got Karen Yoho. Karen and I are like besties. Like, okay, I, I really we, we're separated by decades, but Karen and I have door knocked together. We have a little canvassing with Karen and Cam. We do Facebook stuff together. Like it's been, it's, I've made a lifelong friend in Karen Yoho, and we've had a wonderful time together. And Brad's been like a, he's like too old to be my dad, but not old to be my grandpa. So he's, he's, he's kind of he's kind of like you know like I don't even know what to call him, but he's a friend. Yeah, Brad. <laughs> Dad, dad, pa. Yeah, kinda, he's, he's been wonderful to me. You know, he's, he's been really great, and he's brings up eight years worth of knowledge. Oh, goodness, decades of worth of education knowledge, and uh, that's Cam been great. and Karen. That should be a podcast. Yeah, you Karen, start your Karen own and Cam. Yeah. Karen and Cam. Well, if you don't make it, well, <laughs> you, you guys can rent studio space. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> but no, it's been a, it's been a while. It's been a lot of fun so far. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I think those were all the questions we have for you. I, I just one chance we, we give you to, to talk to the voters. So 45 seconds. Uh, why should somebody vote for you on November 6th? Sure. Well, I well, thank you for having me. It's um, I, I've been honored to grow up here in Frederick County. We live in an extraordinary county with a lot of promise. And I genuinely feel that we need average community people stepping up and being on, on local elected office. I didn't wait most politicians are versions of myself in 40 years. You know? <laughs> so I wanted to step up and do something now. I love this county. I, I still live here. I plan living here my entire life. I, I want to work for every. I want to give back to me that's given me so much. You know, we went through a really tough period in Frederick County a few a few cycles ago. And um, I really hope people in Frederick County look past 
the physical aspects of myself in terms of my age and look into what I have to say. And I think I have to say some, some reasonable and some great things for as we move forward as a school system. Awesome. Well, Camden, we we appreciate you uh, joining us. And for listeners, early voting starts October 25th. General election is November 6th. And again, Camden, thank you so much for coming on. We really appreciate it. It was a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you.